I'm Ethan Weiss, and you're listening to Key Eats Radio. In these short segments, we'll cover fundamentals of the Key Eats program, answer common questions, and touch on interesting things we see and hear from the world of nutrition and health. I think here that where the question of how much carbohydrate you have in the diet is really important because you do need to go below a certain amount of carbohydrate to get ketones produced. And we don't know where that cutoff is. We don't really know how it's affected by proteins. But let's say ballpark 50 to 70 grams of carb a day. Now, if you can go that low and produce ketones, I think the evidence is pretty good that that lowers appetite. And I think that's really important because what we know from observational studies and what we now know from studies that have measured gut hormones and appetite hormones over time, we know that weight loss or any energy deficit will increase hunger. So if you have any dietary interventions that can reduce appetite, that's going to be key to maintaining weight loss long term. And there's been some really beautiful studies done. One of my favorites measured um, ghrelin, it measured ketones using a low carbohydrate diet that got 18 kilograms of weight loss over nine weeks. So what they did over the nine weeks um, is they measured um, beta-hydroxybutyrate in the plasma, and you saw that increase. I think it went up to about three, four millimoles per, per mole. Um, so it's three, four-fold higher than the cutoff for nutritional ketosis. And what they found, so typically if someone loses that amount of weight, that was 18 kilograms, you would see ghrelin increase massively. So the ghrelin, the hormone that produces hunger, increases. But in this study, even though they lost 18 kilograms, while beta-hydroxybutyrate was elevated, ghrelin remained flat. And that's pretty striking because that hasn't been seen before. But what they also did in the study, they had a, a refeeding period um, after they'd lost 18 kilograms where they basically refed carbohydrate. And what you see is the, the plasma beta-hydroxybutyrate come down and you see ghrelin go up. And I think that's pretty convincing evidence or some, some good evidence that ketones um, can certainly affect physiological markers of appetite. Well, I mean, I look at the very uh, simplest level, 18 kilograms of weight loss without an increase in hunger is pretty striking. I mean, that's a big effect. And I, it mirrors a lot of what people, I think, report anecdotally that they just aren't. Yeah. And I, th- I think we've talked about this before. Like if I think about my 10, 15 year dietetic career, if I think and I could count on probably two hands, the number of patients who've lost, let's say, 20 kilograms and kept it off. Um, by the way, I have nothing to do with any of those people. This is often just people who come to see me um, after having lost the weight. Two of them have done it with a high-carb diet, and their strategies for maintaining their weight loss are really behavioral. So one of them, he was an accountant. He input every single thing he ate every single day into Fitness Pal or an app because he needed to, to see the number on a spreadsheet of how many calories he was having. He wore a pedometer every day. And he had another spreadsheet, which was all the steps he was doing. And what he said is at the end of every week, he would weigh himself. And those numbers told him how he was doing. Because it's almost like he had no internal signal for whether he was gaining weight or not. He had to look at the numbers. And that was four years. That was four years after he'd lost all the weight he was still maintaining. And he just, the way he described it to me was that he has no comprehension of what normal hunger is. Um, he has to deal with mathematics. And so if there's ever a week where the calories from food are going up and the steps are going down, he knows he's going to gain weight again. And then he has to really try hard to kind of get back to normal again. 
other people use meal replacements that I've known with a high carb diet. So those are the high carbs. But when you find someone who's lost weight and kept it off with a low carb diet, it seems effortless. It seems effortless. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like it's the thing that irritates people. Um, but, but they just describe it as I found this diet. I'm never hungry. I love the food. I feel great. Loads more energy. They don't weigh themselves. They don't have to weigh their food. They don't input stuff on a spreadsheet. Um, and I think that's really telling. And I think, I think a lot of that could be physiology that's doing it. Um, whether there are differences between people and certain people respond to low carb, like I doubt. In my mind, I just think it's the fact that they're going low enough carb and they, they like that diet. This is why I think you and I have talked about this, is why I think it's really hard for those people to be objective. Because, because it must be like winning the lottery. If you've been, you know, 100 kilograms your whole life or for 20, 30 years, you've tried every diet under the sun, you've tried every pill, you've maybe considered surgery, you'd take any medication going, um, and you find this diet, which actually is pretty palatable. I mean, if, if, if those are the kind of foods you like to eat, and you lose 30 kilograms and you keep it off effortlessly, I mean, that, that must be for those people like winning the lottery. So I, I completely get that people talk about it. So, so I think for me, whenever I have someone struggling with weight, if I think it's a diet they might like, I always talk about low carb for weight loss. Do you find that the people who have the most success in doing it are measuring ketones? Um, so you're talking about using, if we call them biomarkers, like using yeah. some short term marker. Um, I mean, actually, no, because right now there aren't easy ways. Like I'm thinking about patients in Kuwait, patients in London. There haven't been easy ways to measure ketones. No one wants to wee on a stick. Um, but I think that I think the idea of biomarkers in terms of altering behavior is huge. And I just think about what CGM has done for patients with type one or patients with type two. In all of my clinical experience, basically every single person who ever uses CGM reduces their carbs. Uh, when we look at patients with type 1 diabetes, like we've done food diaries, and yes, they have limitations, they're not completely accurate, but people with type 1 that we've looked at in clinic have about 110 grams of carb a day on average. That's low compared to, to most of the population. And I think it's because those are the people who, who are measuring their blood glucose. And if, if your target for management is keeping blood glucose in a given range, well, you figure out pretty quickly when you're measuring what influences that. Um, so I think short-term biomarkers can definitely affect behavior. And I think this is the huge difficulty with, with weight. And it comes back to SMART goals. Like if you ever learn anything about behavioral change in maybe medical school, I don't know, but we did as dietitians, and you have SMART goals. They've got to be measurable and achievable um, and not vague. And this is the problem with weight loss. Because it, it's a kind of a vague, di distant goal. Like if you're thinking about losing 40, 50 kilograms, that should be nine months down the line. Like how do you keep motivated to do that? Whereas if you think about, okay, if I alter my behavior right now, I'm going to see the results in 30 minutes. I think that's a really powerful driver of behavioral change. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more Key Eats Radio content, subscribe to Key Eats Radio on your favorite podcast player, or download the Keto app in the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, and check out all of our episodes, 
including premium content in the Key Eats tab of the app. We'll be back soon with more. Thanks for listening.